You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, generously sponsored by Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Hello, my name is George Ramswatham, and I'm the president of the Agricultural Science Association. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, ASA Council Member Eddie Phelan speaks with Mark Lyons, President and CEO of Alltech. Mark succeeded his father and Alltech founder, Dr. Pierce Lyons, when his father passed away in 2018. Mark has worked for the company in areas as diverse as Serbia, Brazil, Mexico and China. Today, however, Mark is based at Alltech's headquarters in Kentucky in the USA. Mark has published papers and patents in areas ranging from enzyme production to global economics and is interested in the assurance of food safety and quality throughout the entire food chain. We wish Mark and his family every success for the future. Hi everyone, my name is Eddie Phelan. I work with Alltech and I'm a council member of the Agricultural Science Association. You're all very welcome to this installment of the ASA podcast of Experts in Their Field, where I'm joined by Dr. Mark Lyons. Alltech was founded by Dr. Pierce Lyons, Mark's father, in 1980, which was $10,000. Today, Alltech employs over 5,000 people in 120 countries looking at animal nutrition, brewing and distilling, and in more recent years, human nutrition. Dr. Pierce Lyons, who was a huge figure in Irish agribusiness, passed away just over four years ago. We had previously overseen rapid growth of Alltech. I'm joined by Dr. Pierce Lyons' son and current Alltech president and CEO, Dr. Mark Lyons. Mark, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem. Mark, I might start by um, asking you maybe to introduce yourself and introduce Alltech and where it is today as a company. Yeah, to a certain degree, I think my life is a bit intertwined uh, from the very beginning with Alltech. Um, I was three years and three months old, I believe, when when Alltech was founded. Uh, We had obviously immigrated from Ireland to the States and um, with with another company my father found, um, that the environment, the business environment in the U.S. was was uh, was quite attractive. There was a, obviously a much much larger market, um, and established Alltech there in 1980. And so, really, from my earliest memories, you know, Alltech was a part of our lives. And uh, if it was the weekend, we were probably heading out to the office and and doing whatever it was that we needed to do out there. If there were any activities or events going on, we were always part of that. Um, and we often talk about how I think until we had um, what is now the one conference had about five, six hundred people. My mother was doing all the cooking and we were doing the, the cleanup and the, the clearing the dishes and everything. So truly a family company uh, in those stages. But um, it's quite fortunate to get a great exposure to science through that. I worked in the labs um, at Alltech from a pretty young age and continued that through my studies and, and then into my, my master's and my Ph.D., uh, following very much in the family side of things in the brewing and distilling sciences mm-hmm. um, and studying there in at Harriet Watt in Edinburgh. And so um, I had a great exposure through that, I think, to um, the elements of the production side of things and the uh, the fermentation aspects that we're involved in, but also throughout uh, growing up, I had the opportunity to travel with my father. I think it was kind of his way of, as he was on the road so much, getting time with me was simply to... Uh, bring me along, yeah. and so I got also a great exposure to agriculture and to um, to so many different cultures and markets uh, that we operate in, and so it was really, um, I, I suppose, a very long, uh, very fruitful apprenticeship uh, working with him. Yeah, you mentioned there, Mark, about exposure to different markets. Um, 
you know, I suppose you worked, I suppose, in many big agribusiness markets such as Asia and South America, and you managed the Chinese market for Alltech, you learned Mandarin, um, and agriculture is a massive part of the Chinese economy. Um, a lot of people have the image of small backyard family or village type farms in China. You know, to, to our listeners, you know, can you explain what it was really like, you know, um, you know, in a market like that? What was agriculture like over there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had the opportunity that, you know, early on I was working in, in Latin America, working in Eastern Europe, mainly the production side, had a bit of time in North America running the market there and then went over to China and, um, you know, really was able to see, yeah, absolutely, the Brazilian market, the U.S. market, incredible scale. But China just is, a, is an order of magnitude beyond. And when you look at really the farms when I arrived there, um, you know, I visited many times but moved over in in uh, 2011 at that stage and if you fast forward really only until about 2015 you would see dairy farms going from very much the kind of backyard smaller um, and certainly on the pig side absolutely backyard farming to in a very short space of time almost all of that being eradicated Mm. and large-scale taking over and a lot of that was obviously driven by food safety that was the big the big driver uh, consistency, being able to control the, all of the inputs. Um, but today, you know, in China, you're talking about farms, you know, a medium-sized farm. I remember our, our team saying that farm's only 5,000 uh, dairy cows. We're just going to drive by it. That doesn't fit our, uh, you know, it's not, yeah. not even worth calling on. And, and you just were shaking your head thinking, imagine a farm of that scale here in Ireland and what we would be doing. So, um, you know, so it's really something where, the, the mega dairies, as they call them, um, fifteen um, up to up to fifty thousand cows. You know, these are these are just incredible um, mm. feats for the organization. Um, but again, something that China can do is is certainly operate at scale. Um, but they do bring tremendous challenges, labor challenges. We don't have um, an agricultural um, history and yeah. heritage. You don't have people you can pull off farms that that worked in them. You know, growing up as we would know um, and so that's a big challenge you've also got just the challenge of, of just you know all the inputs and outputs and how does that all come together but within that um, I think there's also an investment aspect which is different you've got a lot of larger uh, mainstream I would almost say financial businesses tech companies that would look at agriculture as a place they might invest mm. which is quite different you know than we might see uh, in European markets so um, you know, very dynamic, but food is such an important topic. It's also politically a safe topic. So you see it occupy a much larger swath of the, of the media coverage, where there's a lot of, co- a lot of topics that are kind of out of bounds uh, in terms of, of Chinese media. So, you know, food is so central also to, to Chinese culture. And yeah. so um, there's, there's a huge element there as well. But it's something that, you know, agriculture is, is certainly front and center and, and critical. Um, you've also got a limited land mass and even more limited water supply in China compared to other places. And so um, a lot of challenges there. China, compared to its neighbors, produces far more of its own food. But simply because of the scale it has, it's also reliant yeah. upon um, imports uh, very much in Ireland being an important uh, partner within that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, Mark, maybe um, over the years, um, your father, Dr. Pierce Lyons, he gave me some great pieces of advice. but. You know, he must have also, you know, you spent so much time with him, you know, um, 
do you ever reflect on back on these pieces of advice or is there any of these nuggets that you know keep coming back to you um, now that you're leading the organization yeah I would say every day I mean it's um, there isn't there aren't too many conversations we have with an old tech that he doesn't come up in in conversation when he passed away I took the office next to his and uh, that was actually our, our first CFO's office and we kind of swapped offices and you know we, we were thinking about what we would do with his his office and we, we eventually made it into what we call the founders meeting room in our headquarters in mm. Kentucky uh, but when the pandemic started you know suddenly you needed a really good setup for a standing desk and all these things and they decided to move in there and it ended up I think being quite important because this is of course a time where with over 100 operating facilities with you know 5,000 people across the globe a pandemic that was you know at different moments and cycles all around the world you needed to dig deep and think about you know what what are what am I going to do in these situations? And so, as we say internally, what would TPL do? Thomas Pierce Lyons being his uh, mm. his his initials, uh, being TPL. You know that was something that you know was always there, and you were very much thinking, okay, what would he do in this situation? I often said, um, particularly the Chinese experience was very important to us. We had twelve hours of of gap right. most, most of the time. Yeah. So we spoke in the morning, his time, the morning my time, and we we basically so we basically spoke twice a day. And we really became great teammates and partners within that. And I think that was very valuable to me because I knew the situation, I knew what I was thinking of doing, and then I could kind of pretty much figure out what he would do. And that's kind of stuck with me. And then you can kind of chart a path um, that's maybe in between mm. those elements. And, you know, I think there's there's so many aspects of, of you know, valuable insight, many things that we talk about, we kind of codified a mm. lot of the, the all tech um, messages and the Pierce Lions messages over the last four years and we got down the seven values of Alltech and, and they were all things we all knew but we based them on what things he said that yeah. were very memorable um, but to me I think one of the most important things that he passed on which was more personal was Mark you're going to be running a company uh, you're going to be responsible for over 5,000 families and I think that was always an important thing you saw really what the driver was for him it wasn't the money, it wasn't the prestige, it wasn't, um, you know, it was the impact that he could have, but it was the impact on those people and the responsibility that you hold in a, in a position where you're guiding, um, you know, guiding a business that a lot of people depend upon. And so I think that that's something that stuck with us and certainly during the pandemic was crucially important to put that first and yeah. say the people and their safety um, is, is the number one thing. Yeah. No, definitely, yeah, I completely agree. Um, Mark, maybe given the, the recent pandemic and you know the war in Ukraine, it's fair to say we're in a volatile market at the moment. But you know, looking looking to the future of the business, and you know, where do you want to take it? Um, is it towards animal health or human health? Um, surely the sustainability and the environment is a non-negotiable uh, going forward. Yeah, so just at our recent one conference, one of the things we tried to do in the opening session was to kind of bring some of these big topics together. It was three years prior that we had the last in-person one conference, mm -hmm. and that was when we kicked off our mission and vision for working together for a planet of plenty. And that has been really the thing that's driven the company forward. And it is very much around a very expansive view of sustainability, a view that we have to have a greater positive impact. It can't be standing mm -hmm. still. It's not status quo, it's, it's uh, getting involved in, in ways where we can capture carbon, that we can replenish our, our planetary resources at the same time, bring more economic opportunities to rural communities in particular. 
But one of the things we tried to do within that session was to talk about kind of these dual challenges. We have to nourish the world. We've got to make sure that we have the right nutrition and that we, we produce it in the right ways. At the same time, we've got to make sure we protect our environment. And so uh, we had um, two uh, individuals join me on stage, Nikki Putnam-Bedding, who was a human nutritionist who was talking about this, this nutrition side, and Dr. Von Holder, who runs our research on the ruminant side, talking about the environmental aspects. And I thought it really all came together very nicely, where we were able to, through data, um, through a lot of great research that's gone on, show that our industry can fulfill that nutritional requirement, and at the same time that we actually are capturing more carbon uh, with animals on our land when we operate agriculture in the appropriate way. And of course, this is completely against the narrative that we hear in the mainstream media. Yeah. And it's something we've got to get across. One of the things we also do during the one conference is we try and bring speakers in from outside of our industry. And we had two tremendous speakers, Mick Ebling and Eric Weinmayer, who are very much in the mainstream, a blind hiker who, who conquered Everest and has uh, yeah. had so many other adventures uh, in Eric and Mick an individual who runs Not Impossible Labs, where they're always trying to think about big, audacious uh, problems. And it's great to share with them some of those messages around agriculture and have them go away and think about those and the interactions we've had with them subsequently, really bringing out new projects and ways that we can do things. So when I step back and, and, and think of your question in terms of where I want to take things, we've got to make those connections. And I think all tech, and I think my role in particular, we have that opportunity to make links in with individuals involved in policymaking or maybe influencing um, you know, consumer thought and, and the, the general public's opinion. And we've got to make sure that we take that effort to say, hey, come with us, see what's going on, see the innovation that's taking place across agriculture in so many diverse ways, so many different systems, and that actually producing enough food for the planet is possible. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it in ways that are actually going to replenish the resources of the planet. And that's really exciting that gets people um, with us and, yeah. and pushing in the same direction and saying, how do we help? And I think that's that's one of the really as uh, exciting aspects is when you get those individuals saying, we, we love what you're doing, we want to be part of it. Um, and that's exactly the type of co-option and cooperation that we need, yeah. I think, to be able to, to overcome some of the challenges that are in front of us. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mark, you spoke about the one conference there and, you know, we've been back in person after working virtually for two years. Um, you had a range of speakers over a range of topics, um, you know, and inspirational, um, refreshing, um, thought-provoking are some of the words being thrown around to, to describe the, and summarize it. You know, what, what was your one thing to take away from that conference or, you know, what was the, you know, you spoke about, I suppose, sustainability is obviously a big part of it, but what, what was the single biggest thing for you that you've taken away from it? You know, I think the energy when you're getting people back together right now is different than it was. There's um, an excitement. There's almost a realization that we have missed this time that has been different. We, I think we've kind of all been told, um, and I sometimes think that we're told by an awful lot of journalists who can do their jobs at home, and probably should, that we should all be working from home, and I think it doesn't work. Um, we've said that from the from the get-go. There's certainly um, always been flexibility, I think, in our business around what people need to do and, and getting things done, but we're very much as a species, a social species, and we need to be together, and I think that was the big kind of aha um, moment for me sounds kind of simple, but I think that the, the interaction we had, the energy that comes from that, the sparks 
of enthusiasm that you could see that people were having and the conversations that were going on, um, you know, you can't replace that. And I think that's something that, you know, we tried to bring in this year in particular. We had 12 different sessions, uh, over 100 speakers. We had a topic in there for anyone. Mm. Uh, and I think that that was great as well to really bring in individuals who may not be in our space and then having them interact with um, individuals from over 100 countries. It's, it's a really exciting thing. And um, it's a conference that, you know, I think we've always felt um, it was a, it was a can't miss type of an event. But I think it's truly took a it's it's taken a huge leap forward um, in this past iteration, and it was it was wonderful to be able to see that. At the same time, I think the question is okay: how do you bring that on the road, or how do you bring that to different places? Um, how do you access get, gain access um, for a lot of other other individuals? And that's why we kept the virtual element alive, and we will continue to do that. Um, but I th I think just the the conversations I was able to have with people and the, and what I witnessed in terms of other people's interaction. Yeah, I, I just saw. Wow, that's that's um, an aspect that I think we kind of thought maybe we get away with uh, running things as, as virtual from from here on out, and um, I, I just don't think it, it has the same the same impact. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, just um, I suppose, Mark, as business, I suppose begins to move back to um, normal following the, the the dreaded C word. You know, um, it's clear we've learned a lot from the last two years. Um, what have been some of the biggest learnings for Alltech um, throughout COVID and wh which of those learnings do you want to continue to implement within the business as we move into a post-pandemic era? Yeah, you know, over the last decade, Alltech has made, I was corrected yesterday, it's now 28 acquisitions. Mm. And a lot of those were in businesses that were quite significant in terms of their operations. And when you think about feed mills, when you think about premix plants, they really have to keep safety, number one. A lot more moving parts, a lot more operational aspects. And of course, we know that on the farming side as well, you know, how important uh, safety is and, and those elements. And I think that was something that rose quickly. It was always part of the Altec culture, but I think it rose to being number one. And we talked about the three C's uh, of the pandemic focusing on our customers, our colleagues, and our communities. And so that, I think, will stay. And that's yeah. something we want to keep there front and center. And I think that is a, a change that took place um, and, and really will stick with us. In addition, though, I think that um, one of the aspects that was pretty exciting was how you could connect with people. And there was such openness to connecting. And I think that's one thing that we're trying to figure out is how do we make sure, you know, I've been on the road two weeks and the emails and the and the team's messages pile up and you just think okay how do you make sure you keep that connectivity so we're creating a couple of new programs where we're going to be able to put ideas out there challenges um, maybe you come up with something you say i need help with this in the irish market and your colleagues from anywhere in the world can um, throw in ideas yeah. can say hey i've got a bit of time to work on this or i read this article or saw this thing um, that that's on this topic i uh, heard this great podcast <laughs> and, and um, you know, this is something that might be able to, to help you. And I think that that element of truly working as one global team is something that we need to continue to foster as we get back into having all the day-to-day -day things that, that happen. And so using technology to facilitate that and leverage what is pretty cool in Alltech, I think, which is a, a flat structure, a global team that is pretty connected, um, is, is something that I think we can really work on. My father was so... Uh, focused and indignant on 
breaking down silos, not having bureaucracy and red tape within his yeah. organization, and that speed would be the thing that would be differentiating his business from others. And I think that's something that um, the pandemic showed that we can we can do this, and um, and we need to make sure we, we stay committed to that. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, Mark, and then, I suppose in terms of threats to the business in the future, um, veganism, attitudes towards meat spring to mind. You know, how, how do you see that playing out and, you know, what can we do as an industry to help manage that? Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at that, um, you know, I actually studied a good bit of environmental science. I was in several... Um, and involved in several environmental groups through school and then to university. And um, so I would consider myself an environmentalist. And I think that one of the things I look at is I think some of these trends, anti-meat um, in general, isn't a threat to our industry. It's a threat to our planetary health. It's a threat to human health. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're really missing the mark there where we, we shouldn't just simply be thinking this is something that's going to impact us. It's going to impact our land. If we don't have our animals, you know, this is a system that existed before farming, before agriculture. Um, we had animals on the land, and, and that's part of that entire ecosystem and the microbiome of, 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 of the soil and of the world. And soil health really is planetary health. And mm-hmm. so it's one of the areas I'm fascinated about right now where how do we connect our knowledge that we have in our crop science business, which is a smaller business, the animal side. But what, how do, as these two come together, what exists in between them? And, and I think that's going to be a tremendously exciting area. On the other side, on the human health side, I think we really misunderstand perhaps the requirements we have for certain, certain nutrients at key times of our lives. Our nutrition should change throughout our lives. And so maybe there are times where people say, actually, I, I don't eat as much dairy later in life or as much meat, and, and those things change um, over time. But there might be other types of, um, maybe it's a, an increase in aquaculture, um, an yeah. increase in seafood that's required in, in later in life or you know, certain elements of that. So I think getting deeper into that and maybe re- refocusing and saying, we're an important part, agriculture, sitting within an agri-food industry of human health. And that is really the focus of our industry. We need to be part of that conversation. It's crazy when you look at the um, the Green Deal that you don't have people involved in human nutrition. You don't have people involved in agriculture mm-hmm. and the food system in the conversations. Yeah. And I think we've got to kind of say, hold on a minute, what are we really looking at here? And of course, also on the environmental side, how do we make sure that, that those individuals who are closest to the land also have part of that, that um, influence in terms of those dialogues? So I, I think it is a threat, but I think that it's one where it needs to be more of a wake-up call for us to say, hey, we've got a, we've got a role to play. We need a seat at the table, and, and let's, let's impose ourselves a little bit into that conversation. Yeah. I'd probably also add to that there's a lot of you know, good, good news stories out there. Um, you've successfully rolled out a Planet of Plenty initiative and a lot of stories from around the world. Um, it's important, I think, for, for us as an industry to get those out there too. Would you agree? Absolutely. So when we talk about Planet of Plenty, we put three leaves behind the logo. The first one stands for science, which should resonate mm-hmm. uh, well here. The, the second one is that broad view of sustainability, and the third is storytelling. And we think it's so critical to tell the story, and it should be second nature uh, to us as Irish yeah. Uh, to be able to tell those stories and communicate. That's the way people remember and connect. Um, we've got to make sure that we are doing a good job of that. We built into the program a number of um, stories around our customers, and we're kind of telling the Altec story and the innovation story of agriculture through the customer stories. 
And so we're trying to fast track those now as obviously the pandemic slowed uh, some of the ability for our story makers to get out and, mm. and visit. Um, but those are things that, that we want to get going. But what you're going to see that's a little bit different is we're picking stories that connect to one type of new innovation or, or one of the solutions that we think could hold um, part of the keys to, to solving some of the challenges that are, that are in front of us. And then we're putting a lot of the data behind so we're getting questions from people saying, well, I saw the Daniel Wolf silvopasture story down in um, Mato Grosso in, in Brazil. Tell me a little bit more, what type of carbon is he capturing through growing timber, crops, and beef in the same system? And is that possible in other places? Are there other examples? And so we're putting that information onto a new website and making linkages back into others. We're also connecting with folks like the Clear Center, um, you know, Professor Frank Midloner has over, been over here in Ireland a few times. And so when people go onto the Planet Plenty website, they can go and see some of the, the explainers that the Clear Center is putting out. Yeah. We're also connecting in with um, Factfulness, a book we read uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, and Anna Rosen Grunland was on our one conference. We're connecting with them, creating something called Ag Factfulness. So consumers could go on, uh, answer a few questions, and understand how much or little they understand about our food system. And so we're trying to create that as a portal so that the the um, Planet of Plenty website can be a place that's uh, you know mm. useful for our industry, but also useful for consumers to get a lot of that information. And that's, I think, a way to tell some of those good news stories or be a repository for journalists to be able to go and say, yeah, I want to know more about this, and we can put people, put those journalists directly in touch with some of those uh, producers, those farmers that are doing innovative and unique things. Yeah, sure. Um, Mark, as we draw maybe this conversation to a close, um, agricultural science graduates play a huge part in all tech, um, both in Ireland and abroad. How important is a qualification like this to the industry and you know, what, what kind of value do they bring to companies like Alltech? Yeah, I thought for a while, um, I think growing up, my father, you know, used to say, Mark, you realize that Ireland has two great exports, it's people and Guinness. And, uh, and I, I really took it seriously because every year we had a group of scientists that came over, young people who studied in our labs, worked in our labs uh, from Ireland. And, you know, that did play a big role in terms of probably populating a lot of our research centers around the globe and indeed individuals moved into the consumer space or, or the, the commercial space, um, you know, we're, we're coming from Ireland. So, you know, it's, it's critically important. We've got to get young minds, innovative minds, minds that are going to challenge, who are going to think differently. And those are going to be the individuals that help us to build this, this future food system. And I think it is a food system. It's a connected um, network that is going to be so critical. You see the program that Borbia put together, you know, with, with having um, agricultural ambassadors and so many of the food companies, that's a tremendous network. Um, we've got a great number of, of, of scientists, I think, um, that we can, can connect in with. And so, you know, I, I see it as one of the most exciting areas. This is an area in agriculture where we're going to play a tremendous role in terms of human health, and we're going to be playing a huge role in the whole environmental story. And so, you know, I can't think of it a more exciting industry. At the same time, um, I think it's one of the, the best industries. It's an industry where people are open, friendly. Um, you know, there's there's a, a great um, spirit and culture within the within the industry, and I think that's something that a lot of people, when they get into it, uh, realize and, and really enjoy. And so, um, it's also a global industry. You know, it's mm -hmm. there's there's food production everywhere in the world, and the systems are different. 
Uh, but that culture and that openness, I think, is pretty common across the globe. And so um, it's, it's one of the reasons I love my job yeah. so much. And, um, and certainly, I think, something that people would really enjoy getting involved in. And, um, and look, Irish people travel about as well as anyone and, uh, and are welcomed everywhere. And so I think it's um, a, a tremendous opportunity to get involved in science, get involved in agriculture and be part of the solution. Yeah. And then finally, Mark, for those maybe entering the industry or thinking of entering the industry, what's the one piece of advice you'd give give, give to these people? So one of the values of all tech uh, is be curious. And I think that, you know, really stepping aside from what position you're going to get, what title you have, what salary you have, um, you know, just keep learning. And I always say that to young people, it's that that was exactly the opportunity I was I was given uh, was just to keep going places, learning things, picking up languages, picking up cultural experiences, learning new technologies. And so really, I think in that early stage in your career, I know a lot of people would say you need to get to a certain stage and you know what you're making at 25 or 30 is going to determine your overall income. Mm-hmm. That might be true, but I think the opportunities are going to be afforded to those who, who keep um, seeking out the, the, the areas where they can learn and, and continue to improve themselves and, and the businesses they're operating in. And that's what I'm looking for in our company. I'm always looking for people who put their hand up and saying, I'm ready for that opportunity or I'm willing to, to, to get involved in that project. And so um, I think that would be it. Be curious. Yeah. No, Mark, that's that's great advice. Um, on that note, we might draw this to a close. Um, Mark, on behalf of the ESA, thanks very much for your time and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Um, and best of luck to you and the rest of the team and all tech going forward yeah no well done asa for doing the podcast and and getting information out there for people and um yeah our doors doors are always open as you know um always interested in in collaborating